<clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. He's Antonio Rosetti. I'm Justin Stewart. We're coming from you from the new and improved version, depending on how, who you ask, of the Center for Media Innovation here at Point Park University. Reminder, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. And if you heard me in the middle of there, I said we're in the CMI again. Yes, we are. We're in a new location, though. It's on, in, in West Penn Hall. It's a separate thing, but if you walk inside the CMI in West Penn Hall, it basically looks exactly the same as the old one did. So, I mean, otherwise, it's a pretty solid space. You know, I think the old location, though, was a little bit better just because I think it's going to be a lot more visible. More people walk down that street anyway than opposed to over here, but that's just my opinion. Still nice space, though, but enough of that small talk out of the way. And tell you, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I actually wrote two articles this week for the trip, not just one. So that was good. I got some extra work there. Uh, yeah, just been working there and at Aldi. Still trying to go full time and writing, but freelance has been fun for now. Just been living life. How about you? I've been pretty good. Uh, you know, same thing. I was doing the internship. Uh, you know, also worked the uh, you know the restaurant job too, and you know we're coming up on graduation here, like in like less than two weeks. So that, you know, have that to look forward to as well, though. But I mean, if if you don't have anything else to say, we can just jump right into it, though. Yeah. All right, cool. So we're gonna bring back our quick hitter segment. We've kind of been slacking on that just because we've been doing a bunch of different things, whether it be interviews, that things of that nature, though. But I mean, I guess I can start off. Uh, my my mine's gonna be really t- relatively quick. But it's just something I saw on Twitter, and this just has to do with Robert Griffin III. Um, he, like, posted, like, an 18-second clip of Ben Roethlisberger on his podcast, and it was talking about Lamar Jackson. And I'll just re- I'll read what Ben said, like, verbatim. So, uh, quote, it's going to be a problem. It's a big deal. That's a big bi- – well, no, f- let me stop. So, for context, this is Ben talking about um, – OBJ, Odell Beckham signing with the Ravens, and just how that, that'll impact Lamar should he play this year. So let me read the, re-read the quote again for a proper context. So it's going to be a problem. It's a big deal. That's the big boost. Uh, you know with Lamar, you want to bring safeties down to help stop the run because you don't really fear Lamar's arm, his accuracy all the time. Sure, he's got a huge arm. He can make things happen when he scrambles, but you don't fear him just sitting in the pocket and picking him, picking you apart. So you bring safeties down because you do fear him running because he's a different level runner. So you fear that. It definitely creates some potential opportunities for that offense and for Lamar to run if he has to or to take big shots down the field if he needs to. Now, hearing that, do you you see anything offensive with that statement I just read? Not really. Okay. so um, I personally don't. All right. So I just just wanted to get that out of the way because apparently, like, Twitter, like, went crazy over, like, what Ben said about that. And the funny thing is what I just read, the snippet that RG three posted on his Twitter post. Um, it wasn't even that long. It was like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. So you, this is what I'm talking about. Like with the media, it's, it's just so annoying. Like it, I have like this issue with, you know, I'm not a big fan of guys, you know, kissing athletes and, you know, worshiping them. I, 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 I feel a certain way about that, but at the same time, you know, I hate people that are always overtly negative towards athletes. And what I'm trying to get out of here is there's just no balance in between. And I think Lamar Jackson is another one of those players where it's like, I think people 
tend to praise him a lot, and like rightfully so, he's won an MVP. But at the same time, it's like if you criticize the way he plays, or if you criticize, it's like, oh, well, you're just hating on Lamar Jackson. And meanwhile, I, I don't really take away like hate from this, this statement. I, I think it, he complimented him multiple times. He said he's a great runner. He can throw in the run. He can make plays happen out of the pocket. I mean, listen, Lamar is not like a perfect, like your, your ideal perfect quarterback. Like I, I just don't understand how that can be labeled as just like a lazy take. And first of all, Ben Roethlisberger, just for context, because apparently he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, this guy is a two-time two Super Bowl champion, 2004 Rookie of the Year, six-time Pro Bowler, future Hall of Famer. Uh, this dude led the league in passing yards twice. He led the league in passing yards a game three times. He has 41 career comebacks, 53 game-winning drives, nine seasons. He's a top-10 quarterback in QBR rating. Um, led the league in game-winning drives three times in his career. Led the league in comebacks four times in his career. Ten times he finished in the top ten in completion percentage during the season and pass completion percentage. And he's top five all-time in total yards. Yes, top five. And he was a second-team All-Pro in 2014 as voted by Pro Football Focus. And just last but not least, so Pro F no Football Reference, they have this Hall of Fame monitor. And, like, the average quarterback that's in the Hall of Fame, their score is 104.14. Don't ask me what that is. It's just a metric they use. His is 100.28. So, essentially, Ben's a Hall of Famer, like I mentioned. And it's just, like, he plays the Ravens every year, or he did play the Ravens every year, twice a year. And he knows Lamar Jackson's tendencies, as do the Steelers. Hence the reason why Lamar, his numbers are terrible career-wise against the Steelers. Just look it up. I don't have to explain it. So, like, I don't think Ben is... Ben is not coming from a place of hate here. Um, it's more so just like his analysis. I think what he sees, what the Steelers see, more so than anything else. And he, what he's saying is that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to help make Lamar Jackson a more respectable passer. Because what he's also saying is that Lamar Jackson has not had the greatest crop of receivers here in his first five years. So I'm, I just think that people need to stop like taking quotes, misquoting people out of context, not providing proper context. It's just annoying to see because like and and there's just like a, there's a whole other story about Ben. There's that people have personal vendettas against him too. And I understand why. It makes complete sense. I'm not like the biggest Ben fan either, but at the same time, you have to realize like it's just like at some point it's just ridiculous just to hate on a guy because he has an opinion. And it's not like he's clamoring for attention either. Like, this guy has his own podcast. He's just talking to his his buddy about how he sees the Ravens with Lamar and OBJ together. So I, I just think the whole thing is just blown completely out of proportion as usual. And you have the two competing sides. Well, Lamar can do no wrong. People criticize him too much. And then you have the side where people are always taking shots at him too. There's just no balance in healthy sports conversations. And I think it's a, a really big problem. So that's my quick hitter for this week. There you go. Can I add on it? Oh, uh, you can. Yeah, so it's just, it is so, if, if you listen to our podcast, you know I like Lamar Jackson. Arguably one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Watched him at Louisville. Watched him play in person at Louisville in his first, in one of his first games he ever played in college. I mean, the dude was a stud the whole entire time. The dude was a stud for years. Even in 2019, MVP season, I mean, let's get real. Lamar Jackson is the real deal. And I, since he got drafted 32nd overall, I've always been a proponent that this guy's a quarterback because you could see his arm in college was was there and that he also has the size of the play as well. Nonetheless, though, you're allowed to criticize players. 
flat out. Because the thing is, and another thing too, eye test is important. Let's get real. Ben Roethlisberger had the head against Lamar Jackson. It's not a good look for Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to pull up statistics for you guys. So here is Lamar Jackson in his career against the Pittsburgh Steelers. His career completion rating, not just one season, his career is 63%. Against the Steelers, it's 59.6%. So he's three percentage less on completion rating. He has 110 touchdowns to 38 interceptions in his career. Against the Steelers, he has four touchdowns and six interceptions. And let's also mention the costly fumble he had in the first quarter in a game against the Steelers a couple seasons ago in 2021 as well. So he's turned the ball over a lot, and this is this his worst games come against the Steelers. So Ben Roethlisberger is seeing... That version of him. But he also sees that he needs more pieces, like Justin said. So my thing is, he's not knocking him. But at the same time, like, the times he sees him in person, he doesn't do good. And that probably also hurts his perception on Lamar Jackson as well. But that's not my point. My point is that Ben Roethlisberger is allowed to criticize him for, you know, needing more talent. That's, I mean, but these same people that are mad... That he said he needs to, that it, Obel, Odell Beckham will help him out are the same people that says this team needs to get him more help so he can resign again. Yes. These are the same exact people that are doing that. So they're walking hypocrites. Listen, you gotta you gotta call it on both sides right now because they always say, oh well, he needs more pieces so he could get that big contract and so like he can actually want to resign and come here. He gets then OBJ. Signs with the Ravens. And all of a sudden, Ben says, agrees with you guys. He says, yes, he has more pieces. Now he'll actually be better. But all of a sudden, you don't like that. Is it because, I, I don't know what, what the reason is. It's just, you're not allowed to criticize the guy. And it's like they're worshiping gods. And it's it, it's it's honestly silly because, I mean, yeah. That's just my thought on well, it. Well, no, I, I can tell you why people are, are, like, you know, taking shots at Ben. It's, it's real simple. It's just the, the way... His career started off the way he was perceived by, you know, players, media. Like, you know, I, I don't want to get into that because, like, that's just, like, there's a lot of people, parties involved that, like, have their, like, their own views on it. And I understand, like, I'm not trying to, like, play one side or the other. But what I'm saying is his reputation, whether you agree with what I, what he did or not, or whether he's guilty, like, I think that has a real a play in, in, like, all this. And I think that's, like, totally wrong in this instance to, to base it off of that. And I think that's my whole point. Like you can think what you want about Ben, like, but the reality is what he said, I don't think is really that inaccurate, honestly. And if anything, he's more of an expert than any of us. Like, I'm not, I don't really, I don't know plays that well. I, I know play designs. Like I've heard of certain plays, but if I told you Lamar Jackson's like tendency to what he does, I'd have a, I'd do a pretty poor job explaining that. And I think Ben will do a lot more better because first of all, he's played eight, he played 18 years in the NFL and he played it at a high level for the most part. So I don't know. I just, I just think the whole disrespect angle of it, it, it just kind of gets out of bounds sometimes. And I think people, this is once again, the social media component of things. We see something with, if one person has their own viewpoint in the route rage, or they disagree with it, then now everyone, there's this mob mentality. It's just like, oh, well, okay, well, we have to jump on this person because he said something that we don't agree with. And listen, 
just to wrap up on this Lamar Jackson thing, there's been times where Lamar Jackson's been criticized where it's been totally unfair. I will give you that. I'm not going to say that there's been times where he's just, like, criticism has just not been unnecessary. Like, his draft, like, that was really bad. Like, people suggesting that he should be a wide receiver is very insulting, considering that he won the Heisman and had, like, two great years at Louisville. So that was just really ridiculous. And, and he's the, one of the most talented quarterbacks in that draft. I and, mean, And the fact that he fell the th- pick 32 was – he should have been – honestly, he should have been top 10 pick, maybe top five, honestly, looking back. And that was just, you know, that's that's shame on, you know, the, the scouting departments of each team and just people putting information out there that's just ridiculous. And, you know, he, he's dealt with a lot. I'm not going to say he hasn't, Lamar, but at the same time, People have sung his praises, too. He has people in his corner that respect him. If people didn't respect him all like that, he wouldn't have won MVP back in 2019. So, you know, it's just there. It's, it's a double-sided equation of this, all, all of this. So, you know, I, I like I look more Lamar Jackson, too. Like, this isn't me, like, dogpiling. If people want to take it that way, that's fine. But Lamar Jackson, when he's right, you know, his peak is like a top-five quarterback. And we saw that in 2019. And I think his floor, his floor is still very good. He's still like in the 10 to 12, 13 range as far as NFL quarterbacks go, which is still really good. And he has that that running component too, which is like unmatched in the NFL currently. Maybe if you want to argue Josh Allen. But as far as pure speed goes, Lamar is probably the best quarterback in the league right now as far as dual threats. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I just think he... While I don't think he'll be ever be the same player as he was in 2019, like he's still very good. And I think teams have to respect that. I think Ben and what he's trying to say is you still have to honor his, his running abilities, but he can also throw too. Like I, I don't want to, you know, say he can't throw. That's a whole other perception of him too. But it's just he's not he's not what I call the he's not an elite thrower though. I I there was a handful of guys that I'd rather take than him. And once again, it's not a shot shot at Lamar Jackson. It's just like. Mahomes is a better thrower. Allen's a better thrower. Burrow is probably a better thrower. Throw, eh, maybe not Burrow, but like you know, you get my drift. So that's you're a also lot picking. To say. You're also like picking hairs when it comes to the top. Like obviously Mahomes is clear cut one, but there's so many good throwers in that top five category. But you got to put Lamar up there. That's I think that's your point. You know. Oh no, he's definitely like a he's he's definitely a really good quarterback. He's I think you know he he can be elite. You know, if you give him the weapons, and I think 20, 2019, I don't want to call it an outlier, but he's been he's still been pretty good ever since. Like it's just, you know, there's this, there's a lot of factors that go into it too. Like the the Ravens, that twenty nineteen team, they they were like really good. They lost two games the entire year, and they they had one of the best running games in the history of the NFL. Like they had like th- what three guys. Lamar rushed for a thousand. I think Mark Ingram rushed for a thousand. I'm pretty sure another running back rushed for a thousand on that team too. So that that team was stacked. They they ran the ball well. And um, yeah, I think having if Lamar does come back, having Mark Andrews there and then OBJ and maybe if they can address the need in the draft, I think they're they're in de- they'll be in decent shape come uh, uh, this season. So Did they have Collins that year too, or is it Edwards? They had one of those running backs as well. That year. Uh, I think it was J.K. It was J.K. Dobbins. Do- I think it, I think was it was Dobbins that year. Let me look it up real quick. I think it was um, Dobbins, yeah, Ravens. Mm-hmm. It may have been Dobbins because they had Collins the year before. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah, Mark Ingram was really good that year too. Mm-hmm. So um, let me pull him up real quickly, 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 quickly. Yeah, so just like for like context too, this team, twenty nineteen, they were first in offense and third in defense. So like they were they were a great team that year. Um, where's the stats at? Where's the stats at? 
Stats, 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 stats. Huh. This is set up weird. But you catch my drift, though. Like, Lamar rushed for 1,000 yards, and uh, Mark Ingram also had 15 total touchdowns. So, you know, it's a good team. Yeah, I do also want to say one more thing about Lamar before we go. And it's just like, I also do get like the him having to deal with the criticism, too, as well. But, like, I just have a, a story to tell for the people that didn't think that he was, you know, the real deal or don't think that he's going to be the real deal when he comes back. It's just, I remember I was at a pick game when I was 15 years old. It was Piffers Louisville. Radcliffe was the starting quarterback for, um, well, no, it wasn't him. It was Bowen. Rad- Radcliffe was the wide receiver, I think. Yeah, so B- Bowen was the um, the quarterback for Louisville that year. And he throws a pick six. Yeah, it was a pick six to Avante Maddox. And pick goes up 42-17 right before the half ends. Lamar Jackson comes in, converts a third and 19 running the football, goes right down the field, makes a 42-34, throws for 141 yards in the second half, and Louisville only loses 42-34. to So my point is... Lamar does indeed have that dog in him, and he always has. And I was just saying that because I am a big fan. That day I became a fan of Lamar Jackson, just seeing how he took a team down 42-17 and made it a one-score game. Obviously, it was just too much for him to cover. But that also is, I also did want to bring up just his performances against the Steelers. I mean, he has a career passer rating of 97, and against the Steelers, it's at 67. Like, it's okay to criticize players over if they don't play good against a certain team or if they know they need help because certain teams, like, the Steelers give him fits because he doesn't have enough pieces. So Ben has every right to say whatever he wants about that. So that's just my final point. But I do want to get into my quick hitter now. And uh, I just want to bring up some very cool baseball last names we've seen. Lasting's Millage. I mean, Millage, that's, that's such a great name. Brad Boxberger. Williams Ostadio, Lars Newtbar, all great names, but can anyone top Ryan Mountcastle? What a name that is. And I do want to talk about Ryan Mountcastle now. I'm not talking about White Castle. I'm talking about Mountcastle. He had a 9 RBI. He currently leads the league with 19 ribbies right now. And he went 3 for 4 with 2 home runs. And nine RBIs a couple days ago. So I just wanted to bring that up. A nine RBI game that doesn't come very often. He's the real deal, man. Ryan Mountcastle, past couple years, has been doing really, really solid. Nine RBI game. Just wanted to bring it up. Orioles, they got a solid lineup again this year. Uh, Right now, the Tampa's blowing everyone out of the water in that division. But just wanted to bring out my boy, Ryan Mountcastle, give him his credit. Also give Brian Reynolds his credit for the five home runs he has so far. Uh, yeah. And uh, my other quick hitter is Connor Holderman. Leads the league in holds with five. His last name's Holderman. Has five holds. Leads the league in holds. See what I did there? Oh. Yeah. So time to get into the NBA now. Yeah, we can do that. So, 
at the time of this recording, the play-in tournaments already happened. You know, the Lakers clinched the seventh seed, the Hawks clinched the seventh seed, and then the Heat <laughs> last night, and the Timberwolves, yes, the Timberwolves clinched the final playoff spots. So pretty much, just real quick before we just jump into the predictions, uh, we have the Nuggets and the Timberwolves in the first round, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Kings, Grizzlies, and Lakers. And in the East Eastern Conference, we have Bucks and the Heat, Cavs and Knicks, 76ers and Nets, Celtics and Hawks. So uh, I don't know what, which conference you want to start with. What do you, which one do you want to start with? We could do East first. So do you just want to do East and just run through the whole East and then do the West and run through and then do the finals picks? Yeah, that's fine. All yeah. right, cool. So um, we'll just start with the one-seed Bucks. Had a great year. Probably the best team in the NBA, arguably. And they're playing the Miami Heat, who, you know, fell flat to the Hawks the other night, but bounced back in big fashion, uh, you know, yesterday against the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, I you know, I, I like the Heat. They have talent. You know, Jimmy Butler played well yesterday. Uh, Bam out of bio defensively, we know he can give you. Tyler Hero can be a scorer when he wants to. With that said, though, I'm going to take the Bucks in five games here. Uh, I just think the Bucks are a, a lot better of a team. Giannis is a man on a mission. I think, you know, he's going to have a legit shot at championship number two. Um, Chris Middleton seems to be in uh, good uh, good shape this time of year, as, as best as you can be for the playoffs. Drew Holiday, you still have him. Brooke Lopez, defensive player of the year candidate. Not to mention you have Bobby Portis as a six-man candidate too. So I, I just think the Bucks are just going to be too much for the Heat to handle. Honestly, so yeah, I'm gonna take the Bucks over Heat in five games. The Bucks were, if we remember correctly, when we did the NBA predictions, the Bucks were my NBA champion that I predicted. Now, are they my NBA champion now? You'll find out later. But that being said, Heat disappointing season. You know, got into the play-in. A lot of the teams had them ahead of the Cavs and the Knicks. Didn't get to that point. I think that this team's older. They're on the downside of things. I think the Bucks still top of the league, still best team in the East by far. I'm gonna go with the Bucks and four. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. I, I can't disagree with that. Honestly, I think the Bucks are that better. But uh, I guess we can just move on though. So yeah. th- this this next series, I think it has potentially be the best first round series in the entire playoffs. Uh, we have the Cavs and Nick. Cavs and Knicks, and like. On the surface, you know, people would say, oh, the Cavs should win the series. And, and while I agree, agree with that, I think the Knicks, you cannot count the Knicks out, dude, because you have, they got Brunson having a career year after, you know, what he did last year in the playoffs with Dallas. Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle. My boy Quentin Grimes. Yes. Julius Randle bounced back and had a 2020-2021 year. Was great with the Knicks that year and great with the Knicks this year, too. So, you know, they're going to be stout. Tom Thibodeau. Teams always show up. They play hard, and they're they're going to be in every, every game. So I think they're going to give Cleveland series fits, and I do think this is going to go seven games. But I think at what it's going to come down to is who has the best player on the court. And the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell is a All NBA candidate this year. You can argue first, second, third team. I I, I wouldn't disagree with any move. He's averaging twenty eight points this year. So when you combine that with Darius Garland, the facilitator, you got Evan Mobley, the anchor on defense. Uh, You know Jared Allen giving you double doubles. I I think it's just going to be a little bit much for the Knicks to overcome. And I think with the home crowd, home crowd, 
at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. I, I think they're going to win game seven at home. So give me the Cavs over the Knicks in seven games. It's going to be a tight series. And I do just want to make a quick comment. It might be a slight knock on New York fans, but it's okay. Uh, Julius Randle, let's get real. It wasn't as last year wasn't as good as 2021 or this year, mm-hmm. but he still had a solid season. I'm just saying they blamed him way too much. I mean, yes, it was nowhere near where it was, but it was still a good season, and he was kind of the fall guy, the scapegoat. It's just a hot market in in New York, and. If you just breathe improperly, they'll be all over you like a cheap suit. So, but uh, that being said, anyways, um, it wasn't really, it wasn't that big of a knock. I, cu- I could have got a lot worse, but we're we're gonna save that for a later date. Um, yeah, thing to consider. You make a lot of good points about the Knicks. I definitely think at me me coming from this is coming from a Cavs fan. The Knicks definitely could win because in the season series, the Knicks are winning three to one against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nonetheless, this Cavaliers team, I just think that the X factor is going to be Donovan Mitchell. He had uh, three straight 40-point games to close out the season this year. That's going to roll right into the playoffs. He's now rested over a week now. I'm going to go with the Cavaliers, but I'm also going to go seven. I think this is going to be the best series because both teams match up pretty well. I mean, let's go front court versus front court. Julius Randle and Mitch Robinson versus Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Like, that's, that's going to be a fun little battle there. The backcourts, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, Darius Garland. But then you have a plethora of guards for the Knicks, like you said. I mean, you R.J. Barrett's just one of them. I, I didn't even mention yeah, him. Yeah, Quentin Grimes and Eman- uh, not Emmanuel. What, what's it? Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly, yeah. I almost said Emmanuel Moutier, but, um, yeah. <laughs> You're my, you're still my guy. I predict you to be really good in the NBA. But yeah, that being said, I'll still go Cavs in seven. But it's gonna be a, it's it's gonna be a tight series. I wouldn't be shocked if the Knicks win just because they've been playing good against the Cavs in the regular season. I just think that Donovan Mitchell is a hot hand, and that's gonna be the X factor. Yeah, I also think the, the X factor too. Just real quickly, it's, it's gonna be the home crowds, and you know the Knicks when they're really good, their home crowd. You will say what you want about the New York fans, but they get really loud. They do, yeah. And it's I think it'll be a tough environment for Cleveland to play, and so that's why I think. Home court, it's going to be important. If the Knicks can somehow steal a game in Cleveland, like I think that could potentially shift the series in their favor. But, you know, it, it, it varies, man. It's just one game at a time. But I, right now I am going to stick with Cleveland to win the seven games, though. But it should be a very good series. They have a lot of good players on both teams, and I think they match up pretty evenly in my opinion, though. But we can just move on, though. This series, I don't think it's going to go very far either, but I do want to say I think it'll be more competitive than people are going to give it credit for. We have the 76ers and Nets. I have the 76ers in five games. I know people want to go four games because, you know, that's what people do. But I'm going to give the Nets a little bit more credit than that. They've played pretty solidly ever since they got rid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They've gotten talent back. You know, they got Spencer Dinwiddie back. Cam Johnson. You know, Mikel Bridges has blossomed into, a, at least for Brooklyn, their number one scoring option as of late. He's, he's just gone off. And I think they'll be able to steal, they'll steal a home game. I will give them a home game, but, you know, like you said, like, or like I said, the 76ers, they have the potential MVP in Joel Embiid. You know, James Harden is doing his thing as a a number two, more of a facilitator in this phase of his career, though, but still very good. And I just think they're just going to have a hard time with Embiid. And then their role players, too. Philly's role players are really solid. 
And I just really – that's all I can really say about it because I, I just don't think the Brooklyn Nets – they have talent on their team. Like, I don't want to they, – they definitely have talent. But if you match up with the 76ers, I do not like them favorably. And I think Embiid's going to have a monster series. So with that – I'm going to say 76ers over Nets in five games. I would not be surprised if the 76ers uh, swept them, though. I'm going to go with um, 76ers in five as well. I honestly think that the Nets, if they had, like, like a different team to match up with, like maybe the Cavs, Knicks, maybe they'd have a better shot. I just think if you look at the season series, it's 4 nothing 76ers. That definitely plays a factor to me. I think it's going to be 76ers and 5 as well. Um, Nets, I like the trades they made. They got some good defenders. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, two good, really solid two-way players, even Cam Johnson too. I mean, they made some good moves. Uh, say what you want about uh, blowing it up. I mean, they at least built for their future here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they still have a solid team. I just don't think that they're going to – Put up too much of a fight with the uh, 76ers. You saw at the tail end of the year, too. I mean, the 76ers almost beat them by 40 points. I think that's just going to be the same in the playoffs. So I definitely see where people are coming from. I think it could be a clean sweep. But I'll get, I'll give the Nets one at home, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll go we'll go five, I guess, 76ers. Yeah, and I do want to say something about the Nets. I do want to say something positive. If they put their cards right and, you know, if free, free agency breaks their way, you know they have they have guys in the roster now that can play really good basketball, and they're they're a young team too. So if things break their way, they can be a top five team, I think, in the East, in maybe a year or two. Because you know the NBA, there's always shifts with players going you know to point A and to point B. So you know if you would have told me when they had the the, the roster of D'Lo and uh, you know Spencer Dinwiddie for the first time, and you told me they would have had Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving shortly after that, and James, I would have told you you're crazy. So there's a lot that can happen in a couple of years, and if they play their cards right and maybe they they make their team attractive to a, maybe a star, you know, they can be right back into it. So, And plus, they have draft picks, too, to, to use as, as uh, capital if they want to get a star player. So the Nets, they're, they're in a decent position. Uh, they're they're in a much better shape than when they did the Kevin Garnett-Paul uh, Pierce trade. So I'll give them that, though. But I think this year they're not going to go very far, unfortunately. And then the last series in the first round for the East, we have the Celtics over the Atlanta Hawks. Well, sorry, I, I spoke there too early. But I am going to take the Celtics over the Hawks. I think this one's going to go five games. I do have to give the Hawks credit. They played really well against the Heat the other night. But I think Boston, <laughs> uh, Boston's played really well pretty much the entire year. And, you know, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Their, their roster is just so deep. And I think the Hawks... While I think the Hawks have talent, they're they're a talented team. There's just something this year; it's just not working out. They've pretty much been mediocre the entire year, outside of that performance Tuesday. And I just think there's there's a lot of hate on Trey Young too. I don't know understand why because he's averaging like 26 and 10. That's just really strange. I, and they're talking about trading him. Why would you trade? It's always because it's because he got drafted ahead of Luka. Uh, uh, it's honestly because people think, oh, you know, what a bust now. Meanwhile, he's still I, he, one of the best point guards in the league. I, he's like an all. He's a, he's a, he's an, he's like a three time All Star. If you look at him in Luca's resume, while I do think Luca is a better player, their resumes are pretty similar. Now the All NBA's are kind of iffy there, but they have the same amount of All Star appearances. They've both been to a conference finals, and you can argue. Well, I don't know if you want to argue this, but Trey was more competitive in his conference finals than Luca was last year. So I, you know, there's just. Well, I think Luca, long term, 
uh, is probably going to be, be seen more as a generational player. Like, don't sleep on Trey Young. Now, his shooting percentages aren't great. I get that. I, they should probably be a little bit higher. And, you know, the amount of shots he takes from a logo drives me insane. But, you know, other than that, I mean, defensively he's not great, but neither is Luka. And, you know, he's a great facilitator like Luka. He averaged – I think he's leading the league in assists this year. If not, he's number two. So, you know, just put respect on Trey Young's name. He can play basketball uh, when he's right, and he can score, too, at a high level, too. So I, I just never understood the hate and people saying you should trade him. What are you going to get back for Trey Young? Uh, probably not Trey Young. I'll tell you that, though. But just going back to the series, though. That was a little detour. Uh, I do think the Celtics are going to win this series. I wouldn't say five games, but I think if Trey Young has a monster performance in there, I think they can go six, make it somewhat interesting, though. But I think just Boston just has a better team this year. And it's just – I don't know what the season series has been, but they have the better team. They have the better roster, at least as far as this year goes. And I think uh, the Celtics, like the Bucs, they're primed for a long playoff run if things fall in their favor. So – yeah, I'm going to go with Celtics in 5-2. You practically hit on everything there. Um, I think they could make it more competitive. I mean, they got some good players and stuff. But the key stat is the Celtics have won 8 out of their last 10 to close out the season. I think that's important. It's always good to get hot at the right times. And they hit, they hit stride tail end. I'm going to go with the Celtics. I'm going to go with them in 5. Well, fair enough. If... So I think we've, we've agreed on every pick. So the second round would be – hold on a sec. Oh, yeah, so the second round, the first matchup would be Bucks and Cavaliers. And um, as much as I love Cleveland, I think this is where the road stops for Cleveland. I'm going to take the Bucks in six. Um, while I like Mobley defensively, just trying to have, have people try to stop Giannis is just a really tall task. And not to mention, you know, you have Chris Middleton too, uh, Drew Holiday, like I said. You have Bobby Portis. They have a lot of size. Milwaukee is an insane amount. Of, they have a lot of tall guys on that roster, dude. And I just think Cleveland, I, th- I think they're a year or two away from being like a serious championship team. But, you know, no- nonetheless, I think it will be a, a competitive series. I don't think the Bucs are just going to blow the Cavs out of the water. But I do think experience matters in this case. The Cavs, without LeBron, this will be the furthest they've ever ha- been in a really long time. So... I do think experience triumphs, you know, youth here. And I think the Bucs, with their veteran players, I think they're going to pull away from the Cavs in uh, six games. That's crazy because I was thinking six games okay. as well. But I want this is, this is one of those series I wouldn't be shocked if the Cavs win because my thought process is Giannis is greater on the rim. In the playoffs, he attacks, attacks, attacks the rim. You got the two two best rim protectors in the league, and ev- well for a front court or front back court or front court. Yeah, for, uh, for some reason I had a brain fart there. But with Mobley and Jared Allen, so my my thought process is they're gonna I, if they're able to, you know, prevent Giannis from getting to the rim and being there when he gets there. Tough task, but I think this team has the best chance. Even uh, even over the Celtics to beat to beat Giannis and the Bucks. That's just my thought. I think this team has the best chance. That being said, though, I'm still gonna go with the Bucks and six. I think you know last year that might. I mean, they didn't make the the finals last year over the Celtics. I think that's gonna be a sour taste in their mouth. I think that they're going to beat the Cavs here. I think they're gonna win next series too, but I'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bucks and six.
I will say this. So Chris Milton's pretty much been in and out of the lineup this year. If for some reason he misses like extended period of time or if Drew Holiday misses or Brooke Lopez even, I think this is going seven. And I think I have no idea. I'd probably still take the Bucks because if Giannis stays healthy, he's the best player on the floor. Um, you know, I think it goes seven. I think the Cavs can give him a real fight. Regardless, I think, I think they're, they're going to give him a good fight. It's just I think the Milwaukee, I just think they're a little bit better this year. So... Uh, this one, I think we're I think we're, we're gonna disagree on this this next series. So while I just did say that it would be the 76ers and Celtics for the last uh, second round matchup, well, I did say that the Celtics are primed to make a deep run if the f- cards fall in their f- favor. I'm actually gonna take the Sixers in seven, and um, here's why. So Boston, to me, I just don't. While you said they they won eight out of ten, and that's that's fact, can't argue that. I don't know. It just for some reason the, the second half. While I said they were pretty consistent all year, I'm about to contradict myself. They just didn't look as sharp to me, and I feel like while this is one of those series, I think it can go flip flop either way. Like the Seventy Sixers, like to me, it's it's now or never. If you're not going to win the championship this year, when are you going to win it? And I feel like I've been saying that for the past two years in regards to Philadelphia, though. So, with that being said. I think this is one of those series where it's a coin toss. Both teams are really good. Um, I was struggling to make this pick. Coming in, I was going to take the 76ers to win the series. But after careful consideration and thought, I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going to go Celtics in seven. Dang, because I I thought you were going Sixers all the way. I was, and then I just thought about it for a second. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. Because I was going to go Celtics, too, because they won the season series. And last year, it was 2-2 in the season series. The year before, the 76ers swept the Celtics in the season series. What that's telling me is that this Celtics team has now found a way to beat Embiid in that team. But at the same time, Joel Embiid's an MVP candidate this year. So... I definitely think that he could play a factor. They could go off. And I said it last year in the playoffs. I'm going to say it again this year. It all depends on the play of James Harden. I think that's what it's really going to come down to is, you know, is this his year to overcome it and, you know, get to the finals and win this series, get an upset over Giannis with Embiid and stuff. But I just think, I don't know, the Celtics, I think they're going to want the Bucks again. I think it's going to be the Celtics and six. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they found a way to beat this team in the season. Robert Williams, you know, good center as well, I think. And I just think that they have a solid team that will be able to defend Embiid. Embiid's still going to put his points up. He's the best you know, best player center in the Eastern Conference, but he's going to put his points up. I just think that at the end of the day, I think the Celtics are going to pull through in 4-2 uh, in the series. You're saying six games? Yep. Okay. I'm going to go seven. I think Philly, you know, they're, the MB, you know, he's playing out of his mind this year. So I'm going to give him an extra game, though. But here's what I'll say. So the 76ers, they have, like, this thing every year where it's like they start off slow and then MB goes off, like, the second half of the season. Then they're, like, the hottest team in basketball. We've seen this for the past four or five years now. And then it's like, oh, well, they're a dark horse team to make the finals and win the championship. And then, like, they win their first-round series, and then the second round comes, and usually the team they lose to like, usually goes to the finals. I don't know if that's actually true, but it just seems that way. And so I just think they're just, like, I, they're, they're a team that's that should be capable of winning a championship. But I don't know. It's just to me, like, it's every year they're a second-round team. They always get bounced every year. Like, they've never made a conference finals with Embiid, let alone the finals. And it just I just think it's weird. 
And I just, I don't know. I just have to take Boston. I don't know why. I, I just think they're playing better right now, like you said. And they, they've been playing pretty much great the entire year. Philly started out kind of slow, and then they went like on a ridiculous win streak. Um, you know, so, but it's going to be a tough series regardless. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Philly won. I wouldn't be surprised if Boston won, but I, I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to take the Celtics in seven, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I guess we're in agreements there and that will leave with our conference finals. This one's, it's another tough pick. I, I don't really know who's going to win. It'd be Bucks and Celtics. If you recall, the Celtics won the series last year, but Chris Milton also didn't play really the entire series. So there's also that to consider. I still think the Celtics can beat the Bucks with Chris Middleton. It's, it's not really a concern with me. I also think the Bucks can beat the uh, the Celtics, though. So I don't know. Uh, maybe you should go first. I want to hear your rationale. Who do you think is going to win this that series? You know what? We're going to go Bucks over Celtics in six. I, I called the Bucks to make the finals early in the year, so I'm going to stick to it. Uh, that's probably my biggest reason why, obviously. But um, I just think last year Celtics beat them. This year, they have Middleton back in the lineup, but I, I do have to, I do have to say, I mean, Middleton missed a lot of the year this year. They've learned, <coughs> excuse me, they learned how to play without him, you know, throughout the year. But now he's back, started playing good in the second half. Uh, I think the team's finally in the full swing of things. I think, you know, regardless of Middleton's health or not, I think Giannis is going to be up to play this one. I'm going to go with the Bucks in six. I am going full on the honest train right now. Uh, I just think after last year, you know, that's a lot about the NBA. Like, it could go either way. Like, one year the Celtics are going to win, and one year the Bucks are going to win. I think this year it's going to be the Bucks' turn. And, yeah, I think we might be seeing a championship rematch from a couple of years ago. But I don't want to – that's just foreshadowing my Western Conference pick. So, oh, I, I think we're, we're in agreements here for a lot of picks, man. I think the finals picks gonna be pretty similar too. We'll see how that shakes up though. Oh, don't worry. Wait until you get to the Western Conference. I have some funny ones. Oh, I do too. Yeah. And I, it's gonna probably make some people mad though. But I don't care. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah, I would have to say I'm gonna go Bucks and seven. And here's why I say seven. So you pretty much outlined the entire series. Both teams are great teams. Probably the two best teams in the East all all year long. But here's what the killer: Boston was the number one seed for most of the year. And Milwaukee won on that ridiculous run. They won like 16 games in a row, 15, whatever it was. And they pretty much leapfrogged the Celtics. They never looked back. And I think game seven in Milwaukee, I think that's going to be the deciding factor. And, you know, you might think, think that's crazy to think. But, dude, home field, home home court advantage, it has a factor. I mean, just, just ask Scotty Barnes when uh, DeMar DeRozan's daughter was yelling. You know, the, they missed half their free throws. So, you know, you get you get rowdy fans. Like anything's possible. And I think Giannis, the fright the fright train he is, going to the basket, you know, there was talks about, you know, the, the league figuring him out in the playoffs. But he's he's shattered those winning the championship a couple years ago. Now he's just, you know, a man on a mission. So I think he's gonna have a bad taste in his mouth from last year, considering that if they beat the Celtics, they probably win the a championship last year too because I think they match up better with Golden State in my opinion they would have no answer for Giannis don't give me the Draymond Green stuff forget that but Gian, they would have, I think the Bucks would have won last year had they beat the Celtics but you have that to think about and I think yeah I think the Celtics I would not like, like I said these are series that can go either war an injury here or there a bad call like it can change the trajectory of the series but right now 
I'm going to have to go to the Bucks over the 76ers, not 76ers, the Celtics, in seven games. So there you have it. That's the Eastern Conference playoff picture for you. Let's go to the West. The West. Oh, this first matchup, so just to remind our audience, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Kings, and Grizzlies and Lakers are the eight teams left in the West. And we can start off with the Nuggets and, and Timberwolves. I like I'm like really confused about this series, and here's why. So on paper, Denver should like probably sweep the Timberwolves, but I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think the Timberwolves are gonna give them some serious issues. I really do. And like I would not be surprised if this went seven. And I think that's if you if you talk to a lot of people, people are not high on Denver to go pre let me rephrase that. People are not high to, on Denver to go really far this year. Just talking with a lot of people on Twitter. And um, I would probably have to agree. I do think they're going to win this series, though. Uh, because, you know, like I said, they have the best player on the court when it matters most. But I just think the Timberwolves, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, if he can continue to play well. Uh, Anthony Edwards is not going to be as dreadful as he wants against the Lakers the other night. He's going to be solid. You know, you have Mike Conley who played well against the the Lakers in the play into the other night as well. The veteran presence there, they're gonna give the Nuggets some fits. Now, to the extent of which they give the Nuggets fits, I don't know. It it could be a, a gentleman's five game sweep. It can be a six game series. I think it can go seven, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Nuggets uh, just because they're the best player on the floor, and um, you know, I just think. I just don't know what I'm going to get with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And those are supposed to be like the big three in Denver. But they, those guys have both battled with injuries. And I just don't know like which version you're going to get of those guys every night. And I just think consistency matters this time of year. And, you know, I know what Jokic is. I, I don't know what the rest of the Nuggets are. And that, that's probably the biggest concern I have with them. So I still think they're going to win this series, though. But I think it's going to be more competitive than what people think. So. Yeah, I you know what I think that they the, the Timberwolves with a good front court with Jokic I'm not Jokic uh, Gobert and with Carl um, Anthony Towns now that he's back yeah I definitely think that, that that's a good front court and Carl Anthony Towns I mean other than Embiid and Jokic he, he, one healthy he's top five uh, the thing that's concerning for me is I think the Suns could go a lot farther in the playoffs but I'm I just don't know because at the tail end of the year, Jokic missed a lot of games. You talking about the Nuggets or Suns? Nuggets, saying, yeah. Okay, you said Suns. I was confused. Oh yeah, Nuggets. Okay. Yeah, Jokic missed a lot of games with, with, with the calf, with, with the sore calf and stuff like that. That's concerning to me. Uh, they, I mean, it's going to be tough to get into the rhythm because he play. He missed like six out of his last eight games. Well, I think part of that, I, I think he, he might have, he probably was digging up. I think that was more of a precaution. They pretty much had the one seed locked up. So I think they were just trying to err on the side of caution. I don't think he was, yeah, that's my but, opinion. But I think just, I I don't think they managed it right because it was six out of the last eight games he missed. And one of the games he did play in, he only played 25 minutes in. So I'm just concerned about that because now I, I if you watch the game he did play in, they were out of sync. So... That being said, though, I'm still going to go with the Nuggets. Um, I think Jokic, uh, obviously Towns is a really good center. I think Jokic, like, I think people have a lot of the same opinion that, hey, Towns is, is going to put up a fight. But I think Jokic is going to prove why he's a back-to-back MVP in the series. Like you said, best player in the, in, you know, the series. So I'll go Nuggets. I'll go Nuggets in five. It could go six. I'll go Nuggets in five, but it, I mean, yeah. I think the Timberwolves will give some competitive games. Okay, so 
you mentioned the, the sitting out part. I'll go Nuggets in six. And I think the Minnesota will steal game one. I do think that will happen because, like you said, he's going to be out of sync. They really, they've really they pretty much rested their, all their starters. So I, I would not be surprised if they came out game one flat and rebounded to the rest of the series, though. But that's just fair my point. opinion. Yeah, fair point. No, I agree. So there you go. So the second series would be the Suns and Clippers. And while I think this would be a great series if Paul George was playing, unfortunately he's not going to be playing the first round at least. So I think the Suns, listen, health, the, the main th- theme of this series is health. Health, 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 health. You know, you have Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Uh, we can go on and on. It, it, there's a lot of guys that are stars on, on these two teams. With that being said, though, I'm going to go with the Suns over the Clippers in six games, and I think Kawhi and Russell Westbrook will do their best and make this a very competitive series. They will not roll over and die. I think they will give the uh, the Suns all they can handle. But when you add a guy like Kevin Durant to your roster, that is a big game changer. Even in his late 30s, mid, mid-30s, I should say, still a great player, top five when he's healthy. So... Devin Booker can get you 40 a night, too. You have Chris Paul still dish, can dish out 15 assists on any given night. Uh, you have DeAndre Ayton. You have guys on the bench that are capable of scoring. I'm, I'm, I'm being hard-pressed not to pick the Suns. I'm going to go Suns in six. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Suns in five over them. I just think that you're not going to get KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. You're not going to get all three of them on an off night. I mean, even if one of, one of them's off on an off night, you're still going to get a really good team out of it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Suns on it. Uh, their depth isn't as great as it was. But, I mean, we're forgetting another player, though. DeAndre Ayton's their fourth option. I mean, I know, like, we haven't seen a lot of those big three combined with KD, Devin Booker, CP3. Didn't see a lot of it, but I think that could be work as an advantage for them because those are all three smart basketball players. And I, I think that they're gonna catch catch some teams off guard as long and like people know what they're coming up against against how how, how talented this team is, but I I think that I think that this team is the real deal. I think they're gonna win in five this series against the Clippers, especially without PG. Now I will say this: if Kevin Durant gets hurt, like uh, or something, Devin Booker gets hurt, I think it becomes like a really good series. I think it can go seven, but I don't know. I just. If Paul George was there, I, it would be, I think it would be a toss-up to me. But I think he's not there. That's a big loss, whether you want, people want to admit it or not. Kawhi can only do so much, uh, you know. So I'm going to have to go with the Suns in six games, though. So we might have disagreements on these next two series. So I was – the next one's going to be the Warriors and, and uh, Kings. And, you know, first of all, just shout-out to the Sacramento Kings. They've been the back in the playoffs for the first time since 06. A long time coming. They had a great season. DeMontis Sabonis, All-NBA, fringe MP, MVP candidate. De'Aaron Fox is great as well. You know, they have a really, really good depth with their bench as well. Mike Brown, Coach of the Year, the whole nine yards. Um, the Warriors, on the other hand, coming off a championship, kind of really were mediocre most of the year, but they, they seem to pick it up here as of late, playing better basketball. And to me, my heart wants to go with Kings. But my head's thinking Warriors. I don't know. It's it's one of those series. I have no idea who's actually going to win. I don't even know who to pick, honestly. If, if if someone forced me to make a pick right now, I'd probably say Warriors right now. By a slight, and I mean the slightest margin. 
I, I, I mean, I'm being like razor thin. I would take the Warriors right now, maybe. But I, I just think Sacramento, like at the same time, they've been the better team all year long. They have the best offense in the NBA, but at the same time, their defense is not very good. And that that kind that that's the biggest concern I have with Sacramento, is being able to stop Curry, being able to stop Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole, because when they all three of those guys are firing on all cylinders, it is it is hard to stop and defend. And I just think Sacramento they have a great offense as well. I think we're going to see a lot of high-scoring games, honestly. This might be the highest-scoring series we have in the first round. Would not be surprised. I don't know. I just think it's going to come down to, like, crunch time. And I mentioned – I might have mentioned off – excuse me. I might have mentioned off the podcast that De'Aaron Fox is in the running for Clutch Player of the Year as one of the NBA awards. I don't know. I think I, I'm going to have to take the Warriors in seven games by the slightest margin. With that being said – I would not be surprised if the Kings uh, won this series. I, the Kings are a legit team, and they deserve all the respect in the world, though. But right now, I'm going to go Warriors by a slight margin in seven games. The Warriors have not been a first-round exit since 2014 when they had David Lee, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry, their first time back in the playoffs in a while. And they lost to the Los Angeles Clippers. And... You know, Lob City Clippers. Lob City. Really good team. I think it was a three and a six, and the Warriors were a six. Well, guess what? It's time. It's time for a first-round exit. Light the beam. For the first time in nine years, the Warriors will have a first-round exit. And I'm going to tell you why. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole. You're so right. Against a bad defense, I definitely think that they have a chance. To to beat to beat this team, I definitely do. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it could go either way, but at the end of the day, the youth will rise. I think the younger players like De'Aaron Fox. I just remember watching him in the college basketball tournament against Lonzo Ball when people doubted him, and he put up thirty nine against Lonzo Ball in the Sweet Sixteen, and completely neutralized him. And he's had a great career in the NBA as well. And I think Sabonis, too, great guy. I mean, great player. And, yeah, Draymond Green's a great defender. But I think Sabonis will get the edge over him. And I think depth-wise, with Malik Monk, with the year he's had shooting efficiently, with Harrison Barnes as well, I mean, the team has a lot of depth as well. I'm, I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings. I think De'Aaron Fox steps it up. Six or seven. I'll go with seven. I'll go with seven as well. But it's going to be a tight series. But I think De'Aaron Fox is going to prove that he's an elite point guard right here. Well, here's the thing, too. So the Kings, they have, they're going to have the ship on their shoulders that the Warriors don't because most people are thinking the Warriors are going to win the series. So they're going to have that angle to work with, too. The also thing we have to also consider is the Kings, their fans have not experienced playoff basketball in almost two decades. So they're gonna be re- really loud. Um, I I was seeing a lot. Tickets are really expensive right now, uh, for good reason. Uh, they're gonna be really loud. Uh, probably the loudest they've ever been, probably in the stadium's history where they play. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be an electric atmosphere, and I think that will play a key part too. I think, like I said, home court advantage matters a lot in basketball, really in all sports. And you know, I, I think it'll 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 be proven true here too. And I think. While there is the angle that 
they're not they're not far apart from each other as far as Sacramento and San Francisco. They're relatively close, so fans are going to travel well in both venues. So you're going to have Kings fans at the Warriors uh, home, and you're going to have you know Warriors fans trickle in to where the Kings play. So that that'll definitely be a thing too. So this should be, this should be a really fun series. But I think the Kings, if they can work with the, the people, have kept doubting us angle as people have been doubting them all year long, um, just by not even having them be in the playoffs this year from till now, I think that could really work in their favor. And I think I want the Kings to win. Like I, I will, I don't care if I'm being biased. I will tell you, I want the Kings to win the series for a lot of reasons. And I think that their fans have suffered enough. Uh, they've had a lot of crap go on over these past 16 years. Uh, not even just on the court, just off the court stuff. And it's just like, it, it's time for like, new blood in the NBA, especially the Western Conference. And I think if the Kings, like the Nets, I said, if they play their cards right and guys continue to develop at a, at a rapid pace, they, they draft well, maybe they can sign a free agent here or there, I think they could be a championship-caliber team in the next year or two. And, like, you have to remember, Sabonis is, like, not even 27 yet. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox is not even 26. He's, like, 25, I'm pretty sure. So they're still, like, insanely young. So they're going to be, like, competitive for a very long time in the Western Conference. And it's just, you know, just a, just a side note. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the series, but Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis might be the most even trade in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, really seriously. Is. Yeah. Like, like, both teams benefited. The Pacers got like, a, a solid point guard they could build around for the next decade. And the Kings have a legitimate all-star player that they can build around for the next decade. So, there you go. Both were, in my opinion, both incredibly underrated coming out of college. Yeah. I mean, especially with Sabonis out of Gonzaga. Like, when you think of Gonzaga, you think of team basketball. But that dude was, like, the best player in Gonzaga. And also with Tyrese Halliburton on Iowa State, he had an injury, broke his wrist at the tail end of the year. And he ends up coming out. Didn't even you couldn't even tell, but you could honestly tell though his form's different than when he did. When did they? That, that's a testament how good he is as a player. That despite breaking his wrist, I mean he literally his form's a little bit different than when he was at Iowa State than when he was in the NBA. Still a great shooter. It was in the three point contest as well. But anyways, I do want to say one crazier prediction I have is I might as well just go for it. Uh, four wins in Sacramento, three wins in Golden State for Golden State. Uh, I just think that 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 could very well be a possibility. No, that, that definitely can be. That, that that definitely is a possibility. All home wins. Home court, man. I, you know the Warriors home fans. They're they're ridiculous. The Kings home fans. Uh, there's there's a clip. I forget when this happened, but it was this year. Uh, the the it was the King. I forget who the, the Kings were playing, but I think it was the tie the game to go to overtime. It was a game winning shot, but that crowd was like. Dude, it was it went through the roof, and that was a regular season game. It was loud. It was really loud, and I, I can only imagine what the p- playoff setting would be like. I think it's gonna be a really special atmosphere, honestly. And I, I really can't wait to see it, though. But um, the last first round series, um, I don't know if we're gonna agree, agree with this though, but I'm gonna it's gonna be the Grizzlies and Lakers. I'm gonna take the Grizzlies in seven games. Um, I know everyone everyone's on the Lakers hype train, and like I understand why, but at the same time, it's just like. It's just so un- it's unoriginal, and it's just like people are still thinking that, like LeBron's like in year ten, like with the Heat, and like Anthony Davis is gonna stay healthy the entire playoff. I just don't see that happening. I really don't. And like, I I saw how they finished last week. 
they they struggled to close out the, the Jazz twice without their best players. The Jazz were sitting all their good players. They barely beat the Timberwolves. Um, I I just don't see them like I they're gonna they're gonna give Memphis a hard time. Uh, I'm not gonna doubt that, but I just think the Grizzlies, while they are missing um Stephen Adams, I think they're missing Desmond Bain too. I think he's hurt. I know Adams is out for sure. But they're missing it's it's either Desmond Bain or someone else, but they're missing someone another significant piece too. And that's definitely gonna hurt. And I do think there are legit concerns about how they're gonna handle Anthony Davis defensively, but I think Jaron Jackson is more than up to the challenge, because uh, he is a defensive player of the year candidate. So I think he's more up to the challenge to handle A D though. But uh the thing is Jaron Jackson needs to stay out of foul trouble because he does commit a lot of fouls. It's probably one of the biggest gripes I have about him. So he's never on the court a lot as much as you want him to be on there. So if they can get Jaron Jackson in the foul trouble, I think the series can go seven games. But I just think Memphis, their younger team, um, they still have John Morant who's, you know, playing well. And they've seemed to move move past all the off off the court stuff. So I think I'm gonna take Memphis by by hair. In seven games, I do think LeBron and AD are going to play well, but it it just comes down to health with the Lakers, and I think people will fail to recognize that. It's like every every it's like, oh they're going to win the championship this year. I, I just don't see it. I really don't. Now, can I see them beating the Grizzlies? Yeah, but I, I just I don't know. I my 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 head's telling me Lakers, but I I think it has to. It has, I'm going to go with Grizzlies in, in uh, seven games. Honestly, I'm just going to go with Grizzlies in seven. What, what the heck? I'm gonna go with the Lakers. I'm on the train. Okay. Uh, and it's not because other people. I didn't even know. I I don't go on NBA Twitter a lot, so I didn't even know that. Well, no, just real quick. It's just like a lot of people in the media. It's like oh, they're picking Lakers to go like win the West. So that's. I don't think they're gonna win the yeah, West. Okay. But I I do think they're gonna win this series, and I think they're gonna win in six games. Okay. And it, it's it, I know it sounds crazy, but without Stephen Adams, that really hurts because Anthony Davis. I mean, he literally what he averaged twenty nine and thirteen this year. Yeah, Jaron Jackson's a great defender, arguably defensive player of the year. But when you have an anchor next to you in Steven Adams, your defense just comes tenfold. It goes up that much higher. So I think without that, Anthony Davis is playing his best basketball we've seen in years. And I think that that's only going to continue right here. I mean, especially now that he's rested before these – well, no, they just played the play-in. Never mind on that. Doesn't matter though. Anthony Davis is having one of his best seasons in the league, and they're gonna run into playoff LeBron. I mean, I think everyone's annoyed with the Grizzlies, and I think that includes the Lakers because, like, they're an older team. You know, they they're they're gonna be hungry for this one, and I think that the Grizzlies are a little over their head right now with Dil- with you know Dylan Brooks and the whole John Morant thing. I also think there's a lot of distractions on the outside for the Grizzlies. And I just think that that's going to hurt with the injuries and stuff. Um, obviously, early in the season, I thought the Grizzlies could have been a dark horse to win it all or make it to the finals at least. But I don't think so. I really I really don't. I don't think they get out of this first round. I think the Lakers win. I think LeBron and AD come to play. Uh, yeah, tail end of the season, I know. They struggled to close out against the, the Jazz. Regardless, you st- a win's a win. And I think a win's going to be a win when they win in six against the Grizzlies. I just I don't have a lot of hope for, for Memphis. I think that it's going to be next year. They're going to have to bounce back. I think this is going to be one of their moments where it's going to be a humbling moment for them. And um, it could be, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not 
I, I obviously think that the Grizzlies can win the series. They're, like you said, they're a younger team. They have John Morant, but I think, yeah, I'm going to go with the Lakers. I just think that they have more experience as well. So, yeah, we're going to go L.A. I think it's a fair point, but I also think um, the, the problem I have with the Lakers is you don't know what you're going to get from Anthony Davis. And while he has been great the entire year, if you look at his body of work, I mean, one game he could have 40 and 20, and the next game he can have like 5 and like 15. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. And, I, and I, I value consistency. And while the highs for Lakers are really high, they have potential to be, like, a great team. I've also seen a lot of the lows, and that, that really – I just – I need I need something in the middle. And I think LeBron, too. Um, not so much LeBron. It's more so – listen, if the Lakers want to go far, it's going to have to be through Anthony Davis. Le- LeBron can't be carrying your team every night. Like, that – if that's the case, they're not beating the Grizzlies. Hell, they might get swept. Like, I'm being serious. But um, if Anthony Davis can play great, I, you know, the, it would not be it would not surprise me if they won this series. They are, they are a really good team when they're healthy. But it, it's just health and consistency. That's why I just don't – you need to have those two things in the playoffs. And I think the Lakers, they kind of struggle with those two things, more specifically Anthony Davis. But I, like, we'll see. Like, I, I, I don't know. Hey, Memphis, my thing is, though, the Grizzlies are deal- – I think they've had – Going into the playoffs, they're having more injury issues, though. I mean, John Morant's been off and on. Uh, Desmond Baines has been off and on, and Adams is out. Well, I, I think Memphis, they, 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 once they got past the whole like middle-of-the-season thing, they've been playing good basketball. So, like, I, I understand, like, Stephen Adams is a big loss, but like I, th- I think you shouldn't discount. They still have a lot of talent on the team. They're, they're insanely young, too. And while they might not have, like, an Anthony Davis kind of player to, to neutralize him, they don't. I'll, I'll just say that right now. I think they're going to be able to keep up. Season series, while the, I think the Lakers have the edge, every game has been within, like, a, like a five points. So it's going to be a very competitive game, or series, excuse me. And um, while I do think the Grizzlies are going to win seven, you have the Lakers in six, which I, I totally respect. I understand that makes a lot of sense. The Lakers have probably the two best players on the court. LeBron and AD, I can't really argue that, but I don't know. I just think I I trust Memphis more, at least in this first round, than the Lakers as far as a health perspective, because like you can say this with any team though, but I just feel like if Le- the Lakers are one injury away from LeBron and AD from being toast, so but like I said, you can say that with Memphis too. If Jaw gets hurt, they have no chance. So I you know it's it's a pick your poison kind of thing though, but regardless, I mean. I can see the Lakers winning the series, though. I can. Yeah, I'm just saying, AD, I mean, if you take, I think he's top five NBA, like player in the league right now. So, 29-12, and 12, I mean, he's also played the majority of the year. I have trust in AD. He's had probably his most healthy season since playing with the Pelicans. And, you know, people, I just, just remember watching the 2020, the, you know, playoffs where they won without AD, they don't win. It, it was without AD, they don't win the championship that year. That was probably his healthiest year because he played almost every game mm-hmm. up until the uh, uh, the COVID happened. So and it, this and this year's comparable to that. And I actually with him averaging tw- you know all those points and like that, and you know just how he's been playing. Yeah, there's there without Stephen Adams, I think like people are overlooking that because now. It's easier when you could send the double down on AD, but now it's just Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson's a great player, but I don't know. I think AD is something else. He's gonna. He's one of. The, he's already one of the best power forwards of all time. So I'm gonna go with the Lakers. I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. So, but I mean, 
I'm going to go with the Grizzlies, though. He's going to go with the Lakers, though. But that's, you know, fair points. Fair points on both sides. But the next series would be the second round. So, you, okay, so the first one would be, um, hold on a second. So, the first second round Suns match, and, would, and, I, and I would take the Suns in, like, five years, six games, honestly. Uh, listen, I I said Denver. I don't trust them as a legit team to make going a deep run. Uh, I think this is where it ends. If Phoenix stays healthy, health, 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 I think they're going to win this series. I will give Denver a game or two because Jokic has that capability of going off like 30 points, 15 rebounds, 20 assists. Like we know, we all know what he's capable of. It's just the rest of the roster to me. At times, I think it's just dead weight sometimes. And like you don't know, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, like they've they've just had so much like adversity, whether it's injury, consistency. I just don't trust them to, to in a seven game series against a team that has guys. Four guys that, that know it takes to go to the finals, like DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, have all been to the M- NBA finals. So I think experience matters here. And, you know, they also have a great coach in Monty Williams, too. So I'm going to go Suns over Nuggets in six games. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, same. Suns over Nuggets in six games. And that's not discounting Jokic. I think he's the best player on the court in the series, by far and away. But I think it just... The supporting cast for Phoenix is just far more. Um, I, I think Jokic versus Aiton, Jokic is going to you know have his day with him. But at the same time, I think Aiton's a good center as well. But I think the, the Suns just have more firepower. Like I said earlier, they just have, they just have more. Jokic is going to do his thing. He's going to keep him in it. But I just think that the Suns have more. Uh, and to my point earlier, I said about the Nuggets not – you know, playing a lot together in the last two weeks of the season, that's going to hurt. So, yeah, we're going to go with the Suns and Six. Yeah. Fair enough. So our, our last um, our last second-round matchup, it's going to be different here. So Tony would have the Kings and Lakers. I'm going to have the Grizzlies and Warriors. Uh, so I, you can go first. Who would you pick between the Kings and Lakers? I'm going to go with the Lakers. Okay. Uh, everything's telling me for this season it's the Kings' time. Uh, they beat the Lakers in the season series 3-1. I'm definitely – I definitely – okay, realistically, uh, the Kings, I think they're the younger team. They've been better all year. Uh, Fox, Sabonis, great. But they're just something. It's just about the franchise itself. And I just think that historically – when the Kings had Vladi Divac and all and all those really good Kings teams, you know Chris Webber as well, they got screwed against the Lakers with refereeing and stuff, and you know that that's recognized across all analysts. I just there's just something about this series where I think that you know the Lakers are it's going to be like that again, and I think the Lakers are going to win in seven. It's going to be a tight series. I, I I honestly will be rooting for the Kings. But for some reason, Kings basketball just doesn't seem like it's allowed to be great. So, yes, I think the Kings, like we were saying, like they're going to be great. And there's not going to be anything that stops it. But I think this is going to be that year where it's it's just going to be a heartbreaker. There's always a heartbreaker in the playoffs. I think this is going to be it. Fair enough. So here, here's what I'll say. So just, just a disclaimer. So I, right now, out of the uh, the Grizzlies and Warriors, I think who, really I don't think it matters who wins that series. 
they're not beating the Suns, in my opinion. So I, I'll just I'll just jump the gun and I'll say I'm gonna take the Suns to go to the finals. Um, listen, uh, how many do you have them in against the Grizzlies? Well, I, I didn't pick neither team, but here's what I'll say: if they played the Grizzlies, I'd give them five. I'd say Suns in five, and if it was the Warriors, I'd say Suns in six. I think the Warriors would uh, match up better, honestly. Um, but I, I just no, I don't think anyone's if Phoenix is full health is healthy, fully healthy. I don't think any. I don't even th- think the Lakers would beat the Suns in a seven-game series. I think it's going to be Suns. And, I'll just go with mine. I'm going to go with Suns and five over the Lakers. There you go. So I mean, I just I just feel like there's just really no point in me just going over like Grizzlies Warriors because I honestly think maybe the Warriors probably win that series um, because they have their number in the well. Last year they had their number, but at the same time, John Morant got hurt. So maybe the Grizzlies would win the series this year. But I think regardless of who wins the series, it really doesn't matter. I think the Suns were going to beat both teams. So, might as well just jump to the NBA Finals pick. Um, I'm going to go the Suns over Bucks. Uh, I'm going to say six games. I think Giannis, you know, he's going to do his thing as usual, though. But the Suns, I think they're going to be a little bit too much as far as their top-heavy players. And it's, it's going to be a little bit too much for Milwaukee to handle, in my opinion. So, I'm going to go Suns. Win the championship, avenging their loss from 2021. Um, I'm going to draw a comparison here. So, KD and the Thunder lose to LeBron James in the Heat in 2012. Years later, he joins the Warriors and has an elite team with him. I mean, not that the War that the Thunder weren't elite. I mean, you had Westbrook and Ibaka, Tabba Cephalosha. James Harden. Uh, don't forget about my boy Tabo. Great defender. But he comes back, and then they beat LeBron. He overco- he overcomes LeBron, obviously, with a lot of help because he joined a 73-9 and team. Um, so, yeah. But here's the comparison. He loses to Giannis in the playoffs in 2021. Comes down to the last shot. He now has more firepower this year on his, on his team. I mean, that Nets team did have firepower, but the depth, it, it's just not there where it is with the Suns. I think he he gets his revenge on Giannis for knocking him out of the playoffs a couple seasons ago. Um, I think KD has a great series, but I, most of all, CP3 gets his ring, and we're all happy. I'm going to go with the happy ending. CP3 gets his ring. Devin Booker, his 70-point game. It's not in vain. He gets his ring. Kevin Durant gets another ring. Uh, I, he already has him. I don't really care. But, yeah, DeAndre Ayton gets his ring. My boy Campaign gets it. They win. Six games. Phoenix Suns. Here's what I'll say with the Suns. So, one more thing about them. So, just with all, like, if you look at their roster, they, they just have guys that have had a lot of adversity in their careers. Like, think about it. Chris Paul, a lot of playoff adversity. Devin Booker was on, on a joke of those teams the first couple of years. DeAndre Ayton was on those teams as well. Devin Booker was a sixth man at Kentucky yes. in college. Yeah, he was. So. Kevin Durant's had injury issues the past few years. Monty Williams, his whole – I'm not going to get into that thing, but, like, just search it, some of the stuff he had to go through in his personal life. 
like campaign well, too. Yes. I mean, people probably thought he was going to be on his way out of the league. Yes. He could barely find a ten day contract. Not to mention this year with their their owner being really really like sketchy and shady and unethical on a bunch of different levels. So you have all that going into this, and I think this is where it pays off. I, I do. I think you know you, you deal. I think it's prepared them for this moment to go deep. I really do. Like all, losing the finals. The way they did, they were up two nothing. They lost four in a row. They have they 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 know what it's like to experience adversity, lowest of lows, and I think that that's something that that they have that no other NBA team has to an extent. Playoff team currently, every team has adversity of some some form or fashion. But I think the Suns, on a personal, professional, and team level, they they've had to deal with adversity. So I think that I think that plays in their favor as 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 odd as that sounds. So. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, DeAndre Ayton with the whole entire Arizona thing happened where, like, the whole you're, – you're, you're aware of Arizona. I heard for about it. Yeah. Uh, and he's also – is considered, oh, you know, he's a bust because he was taken ahead of Luca. Meanwhile, he's doing fine. Uh, he's not a bust. But he's not a bust. That, yeah, that's my point exactly. So, like, he's always – that's always probably chirping in his ear right there. He has yeah, always you have, I, I didn't mention so, that. So, I mean, yeah, if you look at literally every player, that's what it is. I mean, Terrence Ross, he won the dunk contest the one year. So, I mean, that's cool. But, yeah, no, that's – that's, yeah, that's all NBA. I got on the Suns. Yeah, yeah the NBA in a nutshell. We're both bullish on the Suns <laughs> to win it all. I, mean, I think it's very legit as long as they all stay healthy. I'm taking the Suns, though. So, what but, do you say? Instead of doing our NBA – so we were going to read off our MVPs and all that. You want to save that for next time, and then we'll do our NHL prediction? Yeah, we can do that in NHL. Yeah. And then we'll do our NHL. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Is that right. cool? Yeah, or fine. do you want to do MVPs instead? I mean, if we can just do, do real quickly do things to win NBA, NBA MVP, I must just say I must go with Joe Embiid. Yeah. I, I'll go with Embiid this year, but I think Jokic has a case too. Oh, yeah. If you does. look at the advanced stats, he has him in that. He's also top five in rebounding and assist. I'm going to go with a tie, but I'll go with Embiid just cause I'm, because I'm voter fatigued, so we'll go Joel Embiid. Yeah, I don't want to disre- disrespect him either, but Giannis has a legit case to win MVP this year too. I don't think he'll win it, but I think it's like you said, it's a classic case. He's already won it twice too, mm-hmm. Giannis, so I think by default they're going to give it to Embiid. And that's not discrediting what Embiid's done because he's been great this year, 33 like in 10, but, you know, it's just one of those things. It, it just happens. I, I just don't see, I just don't see a scenario in which Jokic wins three in a row because if he does that, you're putting him in like in like really rare ca- uh, territory and like outside of his like all NBAs and, you know, MVPs, like he really hasn't accomplished much in the playoffs. And like that's not I'm not saying he's not clutch. What I'm saying is like it's just he's made one conference finals in his like run with Denver. And I just think when you put guys that have won three straight MVPs, you're talking like all time great players. And while I think Jokic is gonna be a Hall of Famer when he's all, all said and done, like I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. That's just my opinion. You know, I my rebuttal to that is the fact that they even made the playoffs last year is a miracle without Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. off and on the injured list. I mean, my thing with it is Nikola Jokic literally willed that team to the playoffs, and without him, they wouldn't even have been close to it. Like, if you replace any other center with him, they don't make the playoffs. That just the, he was that important to the team last year, and like I said, almost. You're saying he's in rare territory, but he is like 
arguably the MVP this year. Yeah, he's in rare territory, but it's because he's doing some of the rarest things that not even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Will Chamberlain could have done. And that's being top five in the league and assist as a center for multiple straight seasons. And that just... And, and to be top in rebounds, too. I know his points weren't... Like, he was at 25 this year, but if you look at his advanced stats and how important he is to that team, I think he definitely has a case again. And... I like I said. I think I, I think Embiid has a case. I think Giannis has a case. Heck, uh, it, it, they didn't make the playoffs, so I don't think he's gonna win it. And I don't think he deserves to win it because they didn't make the playoffs. But it really wasn't his fault. I mean, the team had no depth, and the team's front office has no idea what they're doing. But Luka Doncic averaged thirty-four, eight and eight. I mean, that's one of the it was 30, 33, 8 and eight around that. Yeah. So my my point is like Luka Doncic almost won the story, scoring title. And had the assistant rebounds to back it up. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's just so many people in that upper half that could that could arguably take home the MVP. So, but I just I I just wanted to make sure that I wanted to say that you know Jokic, yes, that would put him in uncharted territory. But what he's doing statistically is an uncharted uncharted territory. Well, no, what I'm saying is like, I, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think he's that kind of player, but it's just like the, the playoff success. Like, that's it needs like not that it needs to, but like I'd like to see a little bit more. Like, maybe go a little bit more deeper, and I think then like he, he won't have to. Not that he should have to face that that stigma, but I just think you know you're thinking like those guys that won three. They have they have championships, and like I think. Like, Jokic, I think he needs to win at least one at some point next couple of years, I think. And I think people will get off his back. But, you know, until then, I don't think it's fair. I really don't. But but people are always going to bring that up. Should he win, th- you know, three straight MVPs? That, that's just all I'm saying. Like, I, I, I would not I would not disagree with him winning the third MVP. He's, he, he's done more than enough this year to win an MVP. But I just think, you know, I don't know. But I mean, like him, Giannis, uh, Embiid, they all have like a specific set of skills that makes them great. Like you know, Jokic is a a point guard in the center's body. Uh, Giannis is a freak defensively, unstoppable at the rim, and uh, Embiid, same thing, unstoppable with the rim too. And like, kind of just comes. Across, he's like he's like he's like almost like um. I don't want to make compare. I hate making comparisons, but he he reminds me a little bit of Shaq. Like when he's on, he can shoot the ball too. Like it's just good luck. So I will uh, say this: like, yeah, like I said, he does have the case for it. And I know you're comparing him to other players, but Embiid hasn't had a great playoff success, and neither is Luca as well. So that's another thing too. But we're comparing him to the other three MVPs. But I do want to add one thing: I will give it to Embiid this year, just based off of how he did head to head against Jokic earlier in the year, putting up 46 and 18. I just think that he just I know he sent out the second game they played each other, but the second time they played each other, Jokic had limit, uh, limited minutes that game. It was tail end of the season. I just liked what I saw out of Embiid, the game he did play him. And he's been consistent all year. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give the slight edge to Embiid. But at the same time, Jokic has just as big of a case. He's a better facilitator than Embiid. Um, and, yeah, like J.J. Redick said, just watch his, what he has to say about Nikola Jokic, he, he he knows more about the advanced stats than I do, but yeah, he, he's definitely definitely the difference maker in Denver. But yeah, that leads to the sixth man, though. Who who would you go with? Oh, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. Uh, 
I'd probably go with uh, who we had. I just it's had Brogdon, it. Portis, or Quickly. yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Brogdon <coughs> or or Portis. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to look at Quickly's numbers though, but I think I think listen, I think all three of those they're are, all averaging fourteen they're, points. They're a game. all viable options. I just think. I think Brogdon or uh, Portis. I'm, I'm gonna go Brogdon. I think we'll win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go uh, different. I'm gonna go Manuel quickly. All right, you can do that. I think just if he were a starting point guard, I think he'd be averaging over 20 points a game. That's all. I just think like, like we've seen Portis start, and we've seen Brogdon start. I think if quickly were to be a starter, his points would be through the roof. I mean, just look how he plays when he does start. It's absolutely insane. Like he had. 40-plus point nights, and he was scoring 30-plus point nights when he started. Just take a look at his game logs. It's absolutely insane. So that being said, I think him being a six-man of the year, I think he's part of the reason why the Knicks elevated the success they had this year. I personally don't think he's going to win rookie of the year because, you know, he's younger than those two other guys, and, you know, I, I don't think they really bring up the fact when they do start and stuff like that and when they do get minutes. But that's a whole other conversation for, you know, we could have at a later date. But, yeah, I'll go Emmanuel quickly on that one. Fair enough. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Uh, um, quickly or just? Yeah, I mean, just anything. Oh, yeah. A defensive player of the year. I'll go Evan Mobley. Okay. Um, every player has a case in that. Brooke Lopez at 2.5 blocks. Jaron Jackson at 3. But the Cavs had the best defense, best defensive team, best defensive player. The best defensive player on the best defensive team, Evan Mobley. Uh, rookie of the year, Paulo Banchura. Coach of the year, Mike Brown from the Kings. Um, coach player of the year, De'Aaron Fox, like we mentioned before the podcast. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox uh, has the most fourth quarter points. Laurie Markkinen most improved, hands down. Improved his reboundings by four points and his points per game by almost 15 points, 10, 15 points. Oh, it was points? like 11, 12 11 points. points yeah. 11 points, yeah. Well, I, I really, I really don't disagree with any, anything you just said. Honestly, um, I don't know if you're in the middle of the NHL stuff. You want to push that back, or I don't know. We could do it real quick. We could, we could put this on a different podcast too, if you wanted to, like just a separate. Yeah, thing. we could do that. I mean, we could do the same part. It doesn't matter though. But I mean, so we're gonna do like real quickly. We're gonna do some NHL playoff, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs predictions too. So I'm just gonna throw a disclaimer out there really quickly. I'm not a hockey guy, so. Uh, whatever picks I make, just know I'm not. I'm just doing it with like what I've seen with Tony watching the games and stuff. So don't take anything to heart. He'll he'll, he'll know more about it than I do. So just want to throw that out there real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna pull out the bracket just so I do it in the right order. Okay. Alrighty. So we'll go Western Conference first because it's on the left side. So we'll do that one first. First series is the Avalanche versus the Kraken. I'm going to go with the Avalanche. They just have much more experience. Kraken, I said on the podcast earlier, they're a fringe playoff team, and they they got in, and they were good all year, in the playoffs all, all year. Matty Beniers, arguably Calder Cup winner this year. Uh, you also have Jordan Eberle, pick up Andre Berevkovsky, Nick Schmaltz. I mean, yeah, Kraken's a really good team, but playoff Nathan McKinnon is something else. They have a lot. They have Cal McCarr. They have Mika Rantanen. Gabriel Landeskog is supposed to be back for the playoffs. That's really going to hurt, but I still think they're going to beat the Kraken, and we'll give them six games. Yeah, six. Oh, six. Six. Yeah, we'll go six. Maybe five. 
I mean, Avalanche at home are insane, so. Yeah, I mean, just uh, looking at the standings the entire year, the Avalanche coming off the Stanley Cup. So the Kraken are an expansion team. They've had a great year, second year in the league. They're in the playoffs. That's crazy. But uh, I'm, I'm about to go with Avalanche, too. I'd probably like five games. I'd maybe go five games, maybe. Yeah, so the next series we have is Stars and Wild. This is going to be a good series. Uh, I, I think the Wild have a chance. Flurry's a great goalie. Um, Wild have a good team. Kirill Kaprizov, Jula, Eric Snack. Um, there's just something about the team. They just don't have the experience that the Stars have with Sagan, Pavelski, and Ben. And Uttinger is a good goalie, especially last year in the playoffs. I think he's going to step it up again. I'm going to go Stars and Seven. It's going to be a tight series, though. Yeah, I think the Stars, I'm going to take the Stars to win, too. I mean, I've heard Minnesota's a pretty solid team. You mentioned Fleury, the former Penguin goalies on the Wild, too. The fact he's still playing to me is, is kind of wild. Penguin sure could have used them, though. It's my opinion, though. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, I think the uh, Wild will put up a fight, though. But I think ultimately, I think Dallas, they have the, what's the, what's the aging guy's name? Uh, Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson. Diversity at its finest. Love it. Love to see that. Probably going to have to buy a jersey. First um, Asian 100-point score. He had a great year, like 40-something goals, 100 points. I'm going to take the Dallas Stars. Yeah, and, and Stars also have that really tight, old-school kind of defense. I just think it's going to give Minnesota fits, but it's going to be a good series, seven games. Uh, the next one, Vegas versus Winnipeg. Winnipeg was number one at the beginning of the year in the Western Conference. They were looking like they are going to run away with that first spot. They drop all the way to the last team in. Vegas... <laughs> Vegas is really good. I'm going to go, I mean, great captain of Mark Stone. I mean, Riley Smith's on the team. Jonathan March or so. Oh, you got Petrangelo. Goaltending is going to be an issue in the playoffs if they make it to the next round against the Oilers. But for now, I'm going to go with Vegas over Winnipeg, and I'm going to go in five games. I think they're going to have easy work with them. Yeah, Vegas, they've been sold the entire year as well. And I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably go Vegas over Winnipeg. So, Yeah, the next one's the Oilers and the Kings. Best series last year was the Oilers and Kings. It won seven games. And I think this year it's going to go six games in Oilers' favor. It's Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Dry Seidel, I mean, Brian Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. This is the first team that had 300-point scores since the 96 Penguins. Um, it's virtually identical to that team, especially McDavid's season, compared to Mario Lemieux's season in 95-96. That being said, this Oilers team is going to be pretty unstoppable in the Western Conference. I'm going to go with the Oilers over the Kings in six games. And then leading into that, I'm going to go Oilers over the Knights in six games as well. So I'm, I'm, going, to say the, I'm just going to throw a wild dart out here. I'm going to say the Kings are going to give the Oilers a fight and get seven games. and then. But I will say take the Oilers because they, they do the best point in the NHL right now. And then I'll take them over the Gold, uh, Golden Knights too in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on the other side it would be Avs and Stars. The Stars did solid against the Avalanche in the regular season. They have a defense that can really hurt this team. But at the same time, the Avalanche just have a lot of talent when the Chushkin and Rantanen, and McCarr, and McKinnon, when the chips are down, I'm going to take those players. 
I'm going to go with the younger team. I'm going to go with, in my opinion, the the more, like, the, the quicker team as well. Like, Dallas is a good old-school team, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Avalanche. That's going to set up the Avalanche versus the Oilers. Nathan McKinnon, uh, I, I do think, obviously, Mc, McDavid's running away with the heart. I think McDavid's the better all-time player as of right now. <coughs> but McKinnon gives McDavid fits. And um, whenever he plays against the Oilers, he's always set to play. I just think this year, there's just too much firepower for the Oilers. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Avalanche, I mean, they play good against the Oilers consistently throughout the year. I wouldn't be shocked if the Avalanche win the series. But I'm going to go with the Oilers the seven game. It's going to be really hard fought. Oilers defense, not a strong suit. That's good. That's going to help, you know, players like Rantanen, McCarr, um, Newhook, whoever you want to say. But, I, yeah, it's going to be a tight series. It could go either way. I'm going to go with the Oilers. So I'm, I'm going to make a go bold here. I'm going to take the Stars over the Avalanche. Uh, don't ask me why. I'm just going to make the pick. <laughs> and then uh, – I'll go. I'm not, I'll agree with you. I'll go with the Oilers representing the Western Conference and Stanley Cup Final. I, I would go that far. I'm yeah. willing to go there. And that leads to the Eastern Conference: Canes versus Islanders. Canes are missing Svechnikov, but I still think that Keep even the Canes, without, baby, I'm Keep still going with the Rays and Canes, man. I'm going to go in six games though. I think the Islanders have a pretty solid team. Uh, so six games. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight, like a couple tight games early on, but I think Hurricanes will pull away. You said Canes as well. Leads to the Devils and the Rangers. I think it's be a good series. That's gonna be a great series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty even. The Rangers obviously have a little bit more experience. You got two Stanley Cup winners now, Tarasenko and Kane. I don't think that matters though because what I saw here is the Devils have won three out of their last four games against the New York Rangers. I think that the Devils are gonna win. They're coming into the series hot. They ended the season off strong. Hockey's about momentum. I'm going to go with the Devils over the Rangers and a seven-game series. It's going to be one of the best series in the league. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm not saying this because I'm biased against the Rangers. I do think that the Devils just have that team, and I think they'll win. Yeah, I, I think it's going to go seven games. Uh, I'm going to lean towards the Rangers, though. But, I mean, the Devils certainly have had, they've had a great year considering that they've gone through a long, lengthy rebuild. So, you know, to see the fruits of the labor pay off here, and that's cool to see, though. But, I mean, the, the Devils, they're they are here, and they're here to stay. They're going to be really good in the future, too. So, But with that said, I'm, I am going to take the Rangers by a slight margin, though. So Yeah, I, this one's so tough for me because you have, like, the Stanley Cup winners and Kane and Tarasenko. Like, Kane won three for the Blackhawks, Tarasenko won one for the Blues. It's going to be a tough series. It's literally like I'm half tempted to toss a coin on it, but I think the winner of that will beat Carolina as well. I'll just go right into that. I think I think the Devils beat Carolina. Carolina's like Svechnikov is such a big part of the team. You saw them take a little bit of a hit after he left. I'm going to go with the Devils over the Hurricanes. Okay, I'm still going to stick with the Hurricanes, but I think in the end, I don't want to jump way too. I know you want to get to other picks too, but I'm just going to say I think Boston is going to win the East. Mm-hmm. That's what I think too. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into it. Boston, I think they sweep the Panthers for nothing. I just the team only lost like twelve games the whole year. I mean, how was the team going to beat them in seven? How are they going to beat them four times? That's a third of how many games they lost. I just don't see it. Uh, we're going to go with the Bruins and four games against the Panthers. No disrespect to them. Congrats on making making the playoffs this year. It's not the same team as last year, 
Bruins in four. Maple Leafs in Tampa Bay. This one's a tough one because the Maple Leafs love to lose in the first round. And they lost in the first round of Tampa last year in a really, really good series. But Toronto, this is their year. They're going to win in seven games. They're going to be down 3-2 going into game six. That's my prediction. I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs finally have a good moment in their franchise. And I think with Tampa Bay, this team is not as strong as they were last year or the year before. I think that this is finally the year that Tampa has an early exit. It's going to be their first early exit since losing the CBJ back when they won the President's Trophy, now one of the greatest teams of all time. That being said, their victory is going to be short-lived. They're going to lose to the Boston Bruins 4-1 to one in the series. And then it's going to be Boston versus the Devils. I'm going to go 4-1. to 4-1 or 4-2? to two. I'm going to go 4-1 Boston. I think it's going to be... I just think that they've been that dominant all year. Yeah, I'm going to go Boston 4-1 in the series. Or... Or 4-2. It's going to go either way. One of the ways, but yeah, Boston and Oilers in the Stanley Cup. There you go. I'd probably pick Boston win it all. They've been the best team all year long. I know the, the Oilers, they have that high-scoring offensive attack. But I think Boston, they're more of a complete team, top to bottom. And I think they're going to win. I, I'll give it seven. I'll, I'll go six or seven because the Oilers are a good team. I don't, I don't want to completely disrespect them. But give me the Bruins, baby. Boston. Yep. The city of champions. I think McDavid needs to win a cha- championship one of these times, and I think he will. I definitely think he will. Uh, this core is going to be back next year, too. I think they need to add a couple more pieces as well. I mean, this team's already stacked, though. But I'm, I'm definitely going to go with the Bruins. I mean, they've had years where they've come so close, especially against the Blues the one season in 2019. They've had great teams ever since then. Uh, but when you have Taylor Hall, who's, you know, a first liner on any other team. He's like a third, second line player. I mean, the defense, Lindholm, like Orlov, uh, Charlie McAvoy. Don't know how to pronounce the one guy's name, Grizzlick, too. Like, I mean, th- this team is just, the defense is loaded to the gills. And offense, Posternock has a 60 over 60 plus point season or 60 plus goal season. I mean, this team is just insane. Uh, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Charlie Coyle. I mean, it's just a stacked team. I don't see I don't see them losing. I think they went four two against the Oilers, and I think the Oilers are a really good team. But I mean, just the Bruins. Last year, you saw the Avalanche best team all year. The year before, Lightning was the best team all year. The year before, the Lightning was the best team all year. Lightning won both those years. Avalanche won that year. It's going to stay consistent. I think the best team all year wins again is going to be the Bruins. There you have it. We did NBA and NHL predictions. How you feeling? My voice feels shot. I feel like I should need to get some water or some shit, man, honestly. Maybe uh, a Popeye's biscuit. Love that chicken from Popeye's. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, that's, Popeye's wouldn't be a bad option about now. I'm just joking. No, but seriously, I'm though, just saying because how salty it is. It is very salty. That would definitely, you'll definitely need another drink after that. Oh, a- anything with salt, you're going to need a drink after. But, I mean, no, that is that is one of the things. I need to stop bringing water in, into the podcast room so I, I can like, I keep talking. I did, too. I was like, thinking I, about doing that. It's like after an hour, it's like, bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's, it's all fun. I, I like talking sports, so I can't complain too much. 
But I mean, that was that was our podcast for this week. A very lengthy but uh, d- discussion heavy and hopefully an informative uh, podcast for you guys out there. Just a reminder you follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Rosetta Store Podcast. We've also been doing a lot of interviews as well. I want to plug those in. Just interview Michael McHenry. Uh, it'll be posted by the time you hear this episode. Uh, also, on my spare time, Tony wasn't here, but I also interviewed Hannah Mears, too. Uh, she's a rising uh, media star here in Pittsburgh for sports. Uh, had a fun chat with her. Also interviewed Max McGee from Sports Center from ESPN. Yes, that's Sports Center from ESPN. Very cool guy to talk to with as well. I'll have those both episodes posted in in the future as well. Um, trying to have more guests on. You know, you know the whole spiel about that by now. So yeah, just stay tuned for that. Uh, all that we'll have more baseball talk as the summer goes on. Definitely talk Pirates, Pirates Nat. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Arr! But that was our podcast for this week. For Antonio Rossetti, I'm Justin Stewart. We'll do it again here pretty soon, folks. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, don't make stupid decisions.